Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning, I'm Catherine Zox. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show on Voice America, Voice America Women, VoiceAmerica.com. I am your social worker with the microphone. Joining me this morning, as like last week actually, last week was our first show, uh, is Lauren Deller, who is my co-host, and uh, she is president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program, which you can take in the comfort of your own home or office, and she is my business coach. How are you this morning, Lauren? I am excellent. This is like uh, 7 o'clock on the West Coast, but... Uh, it's Nine o'clock my time. Nine yeah, o'clock exactly. Central time. <laughs> not too early. Not bad. Lauren, you know what the, the topic of the show today? I've got two guests this morning. One is Melissa Kirsch. She's also been on one of my radio shows before, and she's author of the Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything. I love the book title. Yeah, you've got to get the book. Well, after you listen to it here on the show today, she covers every topic that. that it's exactly what it says, Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, the ultimate book for women who are post-college and pre-marriage. Well, you and I are post-college <laughs> and <laughs> what am I? I'm post-marriage. She has all these tips, been there, done that. She talks about averting life crises rather than surviving them, which is a good thing. And the second guest is Dr. Bethany Marshall, Deal Breakers, when to work on a relationship and when to walk away. So I thought, well, I got you know, Lauren and I, it's interesting. I mean, you're at the other end of the baby boomers. We're at both ends, you and I, right? We're the boundaries. The bookends of baby boomers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the one who's married. You're married, and I'm not. That's correct. And, yeah. And I have been with a partner for, what now, it's almost 20 years. Longer than I've ever been with anybody. <laughs> I was with my first husband for 20 years. I go, I said to Barry, we go in these 20 year cycles, so you better be careful. I yes. go in 20 uh, uh, year cycles. You're coming to the end of a 20 year cycle. Yeah. Poor Barry. Finished, yeah, deal breaker. So I thought, okay, now you haven't been married that long and you haven't been a mother that long. They sort of happened simultaneously, right? They did. It was rather simultaneously. So your reasons for getting married, let's talk about that because that's really interesting if you want to. You don't have to, but at least. It, Absolutely, we could talk about it. Okay, because you've been a mom. If any, you know, people are just joining us, joining the show and stuff. They may have not heard last week. Uh, you know, you new mother, a new old mother, forty-one years old. Forty-one. I love yeah. how you keep track too. <laughs> Age is my thing. I always want to know how old people are. It gives me a sense of who they are when I know how old they are. I have a friend that will only tell you she's. Um, I have one friend that tells you that she's five years younger than she is because she doesn't want to admit her age. And I have another friend that likes to tell people she's five years older so people look, think she looks great. Yeah, who would want to say you're five years younger? They look at you and say, my God, she looks <laughs> awful. Boy, is she one ugly. I mean, I wouldn't ever do that. But Because uh, we're talking about, the, you know, the, the topic of the show is navigating the relationship waters, creating the happiness you deserve. So, like, your experience and you're getting married at age 49. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Why get married? Such a great question, and I have to be. I have to preface this with: I am the more liberal of the two of us. So, so not, not you and I, me and my husband. No, so I'm but the my liberal, partner so and I, I am the most. I'm the more liberal, also. Yeah. So um, it's very interesting. I think these days that there's so many more liberal women. I think that's so interesting. But anyway, my husband is much more conservative, and he was really felt strongly about 
if we're going to enter into this thing called parenting, that we are married. And I said, you know, it really doesn't matter to me. And so that was a long discussion and um, an ongoing discussion. And then at some point I said, you know what, it doesn't really matter. It's, it is what it is. And um, it's about... Were you terrified, though? I mean, he's the one who said we have to get married because we're going to be parents. And you said, hey, I can be a mother without getting married. Absolutely. I would, yeah, that's scary. But you did it. And you did it for him? I did it for the bigger picture of what we're about. What's about commitment? It was about commitment to a, you know, to a child and commitment to each other for the sake of the child, and commitment to our relationship, you know, to each other for the sake of the relationship. So you did it at the same time. You got married and had the baby almost simultaneously. Pretty flat. Pretty <laughs> yeah. Pretty close to around the same time. And you had your first contraction. Not really. Before that. <laughs> a little bit before that. Um, do you think it makes a difference? Do you, you know, I you know, that's a really great question because I always thought that it was um, the baby that made the difference about the commitment. And because I don't think I've ever felt as committed to a relationship as I do now. And at the same time, I never had a child with anybody. So it was very interesting to um, to have that level of commitment of I really want to figure out you know consistently how to create a happy relationship and I we do a lot of work on our relationship you know I'm fortunate that he's um, Rob's really open to doing some creative things we do relationship coaching you know we do that together and that's been really helpful just to raise what do you mean relationship coaching what's relationship coaching is that we actually have a coach that works with us twice a month with our relationship just to raise the bar about you know taking it to a whole other level of communication and and um, ability to communicate. Can you do relationship coaching like on online, like teleclass type? Um, you know what? It's probably you probably could. I don't know anybody doing it. So in other words, you go to a relationship coach, which is different than going to a therapist. Oh yeah, it's done by phone. It is done by phone. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So you're on the phone, and so's the, the relationship coach, and you're all three of you are on the phone, and yes. you have a half hour session. And we have an hour session twice a month. So that must avert a lot of problems. You know, it's, it's really amazing. It changes everything. You know, the other day I said something, you know, pretty snippy to him. and um, <laughs> He was a snippy little, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the air or not. I have to ask. because <laughs> <laughs> I can say snippy, though, and people yeah, will understand. You are and snippy. Me, you're nasty and you're mean. Yeah, yeah, and he said to me, I was shocked. I, I was shocked. My mouth jaw dropped to the, phone, or to the ground, and he said to me, Lauren, so I hear that you're tired and you're frustrated. Is there anything else? Wow. Wow. Wow, you've been listening to that guy. Yeah, he's going to take over your job. See, I'm snippet. That's that's one of the things, that's one of the criticisms that my partner also says to me, that I get snippy and I get nasty. And, you know, obviously there's something else going on. But I, of course. I do. And we always take it out on them. You know, we do, we, they take it out on us, we take it out on them. I don't know how relationships survive these days. <laughs> they don't. See, it's relationships true. don't survive these days. That's part of the problem. They only survive for so long. And I think the divorce rate is, I think it's gone. It stayed the same, but it stayed the same somehow statistically because people aren't getting married. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not so much that the, the, the divorce rate is going down. It's just that not as many people are getting married to get divorced. Well, yeah, that's true. I do does that make that's sense? True. Yeah, and I do think that... Um, there, I think it's right now at like 49% of the people are in the country are married. So there's something interesting. The numbers are just recently flipped so that there's more single people. See, I'm saying. terrified. I could never get married again. I mean, I was married for 20 years, and I just thought getting used to not being married, and it all depends on what you get used to, too, and also my kids, I don't need a father for my kids. They're in their 20s. 
so it's a different environment, different situation. But the thought of having to, uh, the word compromise keeps coming up, just compromise in terms of my how I live, how I take care of my house, all of those kinds of things, I don't think I could do that. Even yeah, well, if I, I have realized that it's a really, it's a mindset of I I don't see myself, I still see myself as a, a separate single entity. And I live in the same house and have a relationship with a man that um, is also the father of my daughter. You know, he's the father of, of Sierra. And um, I I know that he does, he's very independent. We both are very independent people. So there's something about, you know, doing our thing and um, supporting each other in doing that, but at the same time, checking in with one another. Yeah, we see you guys have already established yourselves, too, because you got married and later in life. Definitely. Yeah, so you didn't feel like you, uh, so I think there's a lot to be said for that also. There's a whole other thing. You know, what about, uh, that's relationship with your spouse, but what about once you have a baby? And this was something that I, uh, always, I never dealt with well, and I had three kids. I didn't, I always felt isolated. All, I, I mean, like that I didn't have the opportunity to go out and be with other women friends that I wanted to be with, uh, you know, especially Working at home, you isolate yourself. Even though there are certain advantages to it, it's more isolating than going out and having a job. And I know you work at home, so like isolated as a mother. And and I thought, and also, it was like women that I became friendly with only because they had other kids wasn't satisfying to me because I wasn't really hanging out with women because I just because I had something in common with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's very. That was a convoluted way of saying. It. I know what you're saying, and I, I'm. I have to say, I'm not the norm. I think that I definitely fall into a category where I'm really okay with being. I enjoy being by myself, but um, and I also recently moved. Part of you know this whole. I moved to from Albany, where my friends and family were, to Austin, Texas, where I knew nobody but Rob, my husband. So that was um, that's isolating in and of itself. So I've found that I really need to be um, conscious about staying in touch with my fa friends and family and deliberate about meeting new people here in the Austin area. Yeah, so and how do you do that? Time, as a I could live and work by myself 24-7, so <laughs> I'm okay well, with that. It's I'm not, a, you know, I'm that way too. I mean, I like being by myself. I love myself. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I've learned that from my great my grandmother, who's 80 five years old now and she says I love myself I love being by myself and she too lives by herself yeah I, I there's no problem with me living by myself yeah I, I have no issue with it either and I think that's probably why um, I need my space like it's good Rob travels quite a bit it's a good thing that he does you know so when he travels and you're with the baby or the baby and the nanny what any how what's your social what is your social life like what do you do how do it's you a lot by telephone you know I communicate with my friends and family by telephone a lot and um, there's tomorrow I'm going to the zoo with another mom and her daughter you know that so that will be fun you know that's and I consciously try to arrange a couple of those a month and I also have friends that you know fly into Austin and stay for the weekend and that happens often and um, Saturday night we're going out to dinner that's not just me by myself but you know but Rob and I are going out to dinner and other people are supposedly joining us so you know there is a social life it's just um, it's not as full as it was and I don't know if I could have it as full as it was before Sierra before my not daughter was a, yeah, born not as full or not as fluid yeah flexible and not as, yeah. not as um, spontaneous in some yeah. ways yeah I think that's the part I missed not that there wasn't that spontaneity you know I could do what I wanted to when I wanted to do it, but you take charge. 
you I mean you make sure you that you do get out that you are with other people that you're not with the baby all the time that you, but you really do have to take control of your life I think in that way you, we do and we have to I think it does there's some huge opportunities because I was 40 when I um, you know decided to have Sierra and I already had a life so that I didn't want I wasn't looking to give up that life I was looking to maintain it and I think that's a critical a critical thing for her to know too that you can be a parent and have a life of your own and a mission and a and a purpose as a person versus just being a parent. She's 18 months old. Have you ever left her yet? Um, she's 15 months old. You mean left her? <laughs> left her? No, I haven't. And not for you know more than a day. Yeah. So you've never left her overnight yet. Not yet. Old. No, no, not yet. But that will happen. We're actually looking at that will probably happen. I mean, it's not too far in the distance. First time I did that was two and a half. Uh-huh. Daniel, my oldest, two and a half years old, left him with my mother. Yeah, he, that's probably it's pretty safe, huh? Yeah, and I was ready. And I think he was ready too. Yeah, <laughs> time go, for us to separate. A little bit of separation. We got to go to break right now. It's 14 minutes past the hour. I'm Catherine Sox with Lauren Beller, and it's Voice America, VoiceAmerica.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Coming up next is Melissa Kirsch, author of The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything. Between work and home, have to do's and want to do's, and exploring personal beliefs about ourselves and the world, there doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day to do it all. So how do we keep our mental and physical balance? On Living Well, Feeling Great, with licensed clinical and health psychologist, author and host, Dr. Peter Lambro, learn how to create a healthy and balanced work, personal, and spiritual life. Dr. Lambro and his expert guests explore the fields of hypnosis, nutrition, energy psychology, mental and emotional health, exercise, clearing self-sabotage, and other innovative pathways to manage life successfully and joyously. Learn to eliminate chronic anger, frustration, or disappointment, and hear about the techniques such as how to install positive beliefs. Living Well, Feeling Great with Dr. Peter Lambro broadcasts each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Living Well, Feeling Great, helping you reach your goals. The true meaning of your dreams doesn't have to be a mystery. Join host Bob Haas, author and pioneer in dream science, to understand what your dreams mean and how they impact your daily life. Bob and his panel of experts from the International Association for the Study of Dreams will provide facts about dreams and discuss techniques of translating your own dreams and how you can use them for your mental and physical well-being. Dreamtime will further explore the research and science of dreaming and deliver a powerful comprehension of the function of dreaming. Listen live to Dreamtime with Bob Haas every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network and discover the science behind your dreams. Again, that's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to Voice America, voiceamerica.com, women. 17 minutes past the hour. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Could be sp- pretty scary stuff giving a social worker a microphone, but that's okay. 
Joining me this morning is Melissa Kerr. She's author of The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything. And we're going to be talking about navigating the relationship waters, creating the happiness you deserve. And The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything is described as the ultimate book for women who are post-college and pre-marriage. It provides indispensable tips and kind of this been there, done that, secrets for averting life crises. And I like that because we're averting them rather than surviving them, but thriving in your 20s and beyond. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Melissa. Thanks for having me. This is our second time together on a different station. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah, welcome to the show. Great having you on, particularly because this, this show is devoted to women, women's issues, so you're the perfect guest. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. The girl. I'm sitting here with the girl's guide to absolutely everything, uh, and it is. It has tabs on the side for health, work, money, manners, friends, love, family, spirit, home, and fashion. You've covered everything. You know, I tried to. When I was in my 20s, I was working for a women's media company, and I was actually in charge of reviewing books. And every book that I got in the mail at the time, it was sort of at the height of the Sex and the City phase. Um, was giving advice on how to flirt or um, how to get the corner office before you turned 30. But there really wasn't anything on, you know, the larger questions that I had, like what am I going to do with my life? What, am, what about my relationships with my family, my friends, my boyfriend? Um, where do I go from here? So, And, you know, why aren't any of these books amusing and entertaining to read? So I finally, tired of saying I could do this so much better, decided it was time that I did, and The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything was born. Yeah, and you, Melissa, you really did that. Not only do you have the information, uh, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, the chapters and, and what, the content, but you're right. The way in which you wrote the book, it's it's humorous. It's it, you. It really makes you laugh. I mean, I sit, I'm laughing every on every page. It's it's your whole writing style that makes it so interesting, and makes it easy. It will obviously also makes it a very easy read. Now you just said you're not in your 20s anymore. You're in your 30s. Now I am. Yeah, it took uh, four years to write, so I. Uh I aged out of the demographic that I was writing for and realized actually that, you know, this is the book that I wrote for myself in my 20s, but it's the book that I definitely still need in my 30s. And it's also the book that women in their 40s, 50s, up to their 90s have told me that, you know, oh, where was this book when I was just out of college? Or, you know, there's so many things in here that I don't know. And even grandparents telling me, you know, I want to know what my daughter and granddaughter are living through right now, so I'm going to, you know, check out this book myself. I've been so surprised at, you know, just how much a book that, you know, is written for one demographic can actually be useful to so many different women. Yeah, I think it's good. As you said, it's an intergenerational thing, which is becoming more and more popular. I mean, Melissa, we have women in there. Four generations of women sometimes living together, working together more and more because women live longer, baby boomers go back into the workforce, all of those kinds of things. So this book applies to each one of the generations. You're right. I can't think of anything better than an inter, intergenerational conversation, and that was sort of what I conceived of with The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, that there's so much wisdom that women have from, you know, starting their lives after school, um, you know, setting up a house, getting a job, um, getting married, you know, being a dinner party host, whatever. And we really have no place where we can share this information. There's no accumulated database of wisdom. And that was sort of what I wanted to do, to go to women who had actually lived through this. And I ended up talking to over um, 100 women, and there are 60 core women whose voices come up again and again in the book who are sharing the wisdom that they have from having, as you said, um, 
averted life crises or actually have lived through these sort of milestones in life and have a lot of advice on how to survive them. Melissa, let's talk about some of the specifics about averting, and I like that word, averting life crises. Take one of the areas that you talk about in the book. Let's do relationships because that's the the theme of the show today. Let's take relationships. How can we avert crises, as you describe in the book, uh, when it has to do with our relationships? You know, this can't be said too many times, and you can hear it, and it won't sink in, but, you know, communication. And this is something that takes a lot of practice. And as a social worker, I know that this is something that you work on a lot. Um, With other people. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, depending on the – you know, all relationships are basically the same, whether it's with our friends, with our family, or, you know, in romantic relationships, that people change. And especially, you know, when you're just out of college or when you're going – you know, getting a new job or you get married, you change a lot, and people in your life are constantly changing. What's important is that we keep the lines of communication open so that – you know, you can say you can say to your uh, your spouse or your your friend, you know, here's what here's where I am right now and what I what I need from you, rather than trying to figure out, you know, how how are we all changing and not getting along so much, or you know, trying to see your parents as real people. You know, we're we're all children when we get back around our families and sort of renegotiating our relationships with our parents is very important as we get older. So I would say that the common theme is communication in all relationships, and I go over that a lot in the Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything. You do, and you even talk about that, like, say, when you first meet somebody. Now, that could be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, Mm -hmm. before you've ever married, or even after you've been through a divorce and you start dating again. So how do you know when you meet somebody, when you meet a a man, or it could be a woman, it depends, whether it's a heterosexual or a... Uh, a, a gay relationship, but either way, communication is the issue, right? How do you know, let's say, when you meet, uh, uh, you go out with a guy, um, that he's going to be someone who's going to be a communicator? I mean, at, at what point do you find that out, or how do you know what? What, what are some of the the signs, I guess, for uh, picking the right picking the right guy? You know. There are so many women who are in relationships and who say that, you know, the guy that I'm with can't communicate or we can't talk about things. I think that this, this, a lot of this comes with practice. You know, we're not born great communicators. Nobody is. We, you know, there's this sort of fallacy that some people are good communicators and some people aren't. I think that a commitment to a relationship and a commitment to making things better in a relationship sort of leads to good communication. Somebody, a guy who's, or a woman who's in it, for the long haul with you, who wants the relationship to get stronger, is going to want to communicate and want to express himself in the best way that he can, or and also to suss out with you what's going on. Somebody who's willing to, you know, get his hands dirty and actually talk about um, the issues at hand is going to be the, the best communicator in a relationship, and that comes with time. It really does. I don't and, and experience. Time and experience. You also one of the points that you make in the book is you you talk about communication in overdrive, um, and I had that relationship. I think with my ex husband, it was always it was communication in overdrive. It was, and I don't even know if you call it productive. It's not productive communication. You're mm-hmm. always talking about the relationship. You're not really living the relationship because mm-hmm. you're always talking about about the relationship. You know, the the talk about us, the dreaded talk about us is such a big deal in relationships. And sometimes we can become so good at communicating that every conversation we have becomes a talk about us. 
you know, there is no us after a while. It becomes abraded by talking so much about the relationship and so much about how it could be made better and being so open about our feelings. And I think that may be what you're describing. In The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, I go over how to how to negotiate the every detail of the talk about us because it it comes up eventually, you know, like where are we going, what's the state of this relationship, what do you want, what do I want, um, and it comes up again and again, and you, and, you know, regular talks about us in long-term relationships are important to the health of the relationship, but when you're having one every single day over who left the laundry on the floor, you know, you it stops being romantic, it stops being fun and becomes, you know, social work, which is, you know, a job. Yeah, and it becomes not, tedious. Right, it's, exactly. It becomes and enervating. And I think at that point, then you have to sit and take a look at the relationship. If that's what all you're doing is talking about the relationship. One of the things you say, watch out for this. If you're going out with a guy, and supposedly he's a good guy or the nice guy, who I always thought the nice guy was very boring. That was my attitude, especially when I was in college. But you said you go out, you go out for dinner or lunch, or you go to a restaurant, and you watch and see how he treats the white staff. I think that's a really good point. Uh, it, yeah. You know, if I could put out like an APB to all men, and I think certain <laughs> women would agree with this, I would say, you know, there's nothing less attractive than you know, treating the weight stuff badly, being a bad tipper. These are all things that sort of, they're sort of signs. And I think, you know, it, it, it's it's horrible. You know, you sort of, you see somebody mistreating someone in any way or being rude, and it just, it speaks volumes about how they're going to be in the relationship, how they're going to be in the bedroom, you know. It, you pay attention to those little signs. They are red flags. Exactly. Yeah, but what happens is if we're really attracted to somebody and you have that chemistry going on, the red flag is there. It's always been there. As you say in the book, yes, somebody who you go out with them, they're nasty to the wait staff, nasty to the cab driver. Those are the red flags, but somehow that chemistry sometimes takes over and the denial and you just don't, and you pretend like you don't see it or you just ignore it. And, but it always comes up again, and, and it will it surfaces in your relationship with that person. It's important to have, you know, a, a, a feeling. You know, what will you what will you say? You know, what will you compromise on? What do you want? Is is this okay? Is this something that you can let go and that you can continue lightly let go that isn't going to eat away at you? Are you going to be embarrassed every time you go out because this guy is? Is rude to the waitstaff, or is that just something that you know you can you can let go, or that you can have a little chat about? You know, I think that knowing what you want and not settling in any way, you know, for someone whose behavior in any situation isn't up to par, and you know, typically, you know, there is one area of a relationship where we feel like, oh, you know, he could be better at that, he could be, you know, more caring when I've had a bad day, or he could be more attentive to my needs in the bedroom, or he could do this or that, and we, we, we make allowances for these things because we're, we want to be in a relationship, or we think that we're in love, or, um, you know, we feel like the, the relationship is more, more important to maintain than actually looking into what our own needs and desires are. So in The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, I try to talk about relationships for the long term and how to keep things going and to keep, to keep a relationship healthy and to also to figure out when a relationship might not be serving your needs anymore or might not be healthy anymore and how to get out of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the toughest things to do, especially if you end up you're in a relationship and you're living with that person. Don't you think that makes it a little more difficult in order to get out of the relationship? Definitely. You know, there's no specific timeline that someone gives you for relationships, you know, that you should 
you know, before you know, before you uh, have your first talk about us, you should make sure that he, you know, is a, you know, somebody who you could have children with, or I don't know. You know, we we sometimes get into situations like in real estate is a very, it's a very tricky situation where we, you know, let's it, talk about so, that when we get back because you're right, it is a tricky situation and it is something that uh, does become part of the relationship. Melissa Kerr, she's author of the Girl's Guide to Absolutely everything navigating the relationship waters creating the happiness you deserve on the Catherine Zock show voiceamerica.com we're going to take a short break I'm your social worker with the microphone talk radio that informs entertains and enlightens you voice america women's radio network Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-loving women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you can't call mom, call Chat with Women. Real advice for real life from real women. And they keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat with Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Show on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women joining me this morning. If you've been listening, is Melissa Kerr. She's author of The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything. Now, we're kind of focusing on relationship issues this morning, Melissa, but the book, your book, for those listeners who are just joining us, you talk about not just relationships, although relationships are involved in all of this health, work, money, friends, manners. Spirit, home, fashion, I mean, there's so much. We can't cover the whole thing. But before we took the break, we're talking about 
okay, you have a relationship, and then you get to a point where the relationship is over. And this whole process of ending a relationship, which is very difficult, and as you said, and if you're living with somebody, it even makes it more difficult. But you really have to face it and be willing to, to say goodbye so that it's not like a bad lifetime movie, as you describe it. Uh, what are some of the signs that the relationship might be over? What do we have to take a look at? He talks about us, that there's no us anymore, and it, you know, it begins to feel like you have somebody on your caseload rather than a partner in your life. Um, you know, if there's a general feeling of disconnect that doesn't go away, you, um, you feel like you guys just aren't connecting in conversation, you can't seem to get along, there's um, you know, there are sort of the platitudes too, like, you know, you feel like the spark has died or the spark has gone out. Um, if, he, um, if the relationship feels more like a friendship than a, than a romantic relationship, then And also the opposite, that, opposite of that, Melissa, like when the drama is more exciting than the relationship? I mean, exactly. That was, that, and that's that was the problem we in, in my yeah. We, we thrive. We thrive on the drama frequently, you know. And if, when we when we fight more than we actually have fun, um, that, that that's a good sign that things might be over, you know. And this is very difficult to admit, you know. Um, being in the relationship sometimes feels more important than anything else in the world. And sometimes we feel like we're going to be failures if we can't make it work. And in the Girls Guide to Absolutely Everything, I try to encourage women to trust themselves and to feel confident on their own and feel confident that they make good decisions so that if you do get one of these signs and have a whole list of them that it might be over, that you're able to take the steps in order to end the relationship and to do what's best for you. You say it's easy to confuse sexual intimacy with a strong relationship, and I think that's, that is the core of a lot of... Um, I, I guess the core of a lot of problems in terms of women being able to let go of the relationship. I mean, that was my problem. My, I was always attracted to my ex-husband. It never worked for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, maybe it worked in the beginning, but it got worse. And But yet, because there's still that chemistry and there still can be that chemistry, it sort of was the connector, but it, it, it had said nothing to do about how we really got along as partners. And... Uh, but the excitement of the sexual intimacy is what kept the thing going. For women, it's so easy to confuse sexual intimacy with emotional intimacy and because for most of us there is no separation that in order to be sexually intimate with someone our emotions are triggered in some way now many experts will tell you that this is not the same for men that men can have strong sexual feelings without emotional intimacy involved and you know it, it differs from man to man but as across the board this tends to be true so the idea that we could be so we could feel so comfortable with somebody sexually and so satisfied for, by somebody sexually and then have it not working outside of the bedroom can be you know it can be difficult to wrap one's mind around you know we 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 think we think that if we get along with somebody and if we if we're able to show them our our most private side then that must mean that we're meant for each other and you know, sometimes that's just not true. What so, about the opposite? You get along with somebody, you like doing things with them, you have the same interests, but sex isn't so great. Then what? Well, <laughs> you know, that's a friendship. You know, that's a friendship. Yeah. I, I think so. But, you know, it depends. At different points in our lives, we do need different things. And in the book, I try to, I try to make that clear. You know, when you're in your 
60s and you're post-menopause, sometimes you don't have the same sex drive that you used to. And what you do want is a partner and a really good friend. And I think that at any age, your partner should be a good friend. I think that if sex is something that's important to you and physical intimacy is important in your life, then that's not something that you should give up just because you're, you get along so well with somebody emotionally. It's and Melissa, you also point. talk about the fact, and, and I think this is another really important point that you make in the book, The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, is that if you have that kind of general feeling of discontent and it doesn't go away, you're always kind of trying to push it away, you're always trying to like pretend that it isn't there, but it keeps creeping up, I think that's, a, you know, really be aware of those kinds of feelings because that really says something about, hey, maybe this just this, is, this isn't right. There, you know, we all, when we look back, hindsight being twenty twenty, when we look back on the relationships that didn't work out, we always say, you know, like, oh, I knew, I knew when, you know, I had that sense, you know, when after sex he turned his back to me, or I knew when we went out and he, you know, stood on the side of the room and didn't talk to anybody at the party. We have these senses that maybe there's something that isn't working in the relationship and we get little signals and we try to push them away and we try to keep them down. The important thing that I try to stress in the book is that, you know, a, if a relationship doesn't work out, it's not a failure, you know, and this is, can be something that can be especially difficult as we get into long-term relationships. We want to keep things healthy and and happy and fun and when they stop being fun, when we're, you know, when when we're not feeling comfortable or when we're not feeling loved or valued then it's time to get out and i try to i try to stress that women can make their own decisions and make good decisions and just because it feels risky or just because it feels foreign or like it might be scary doesn't mean that it that it, it's dangerous in any way no and i think if you take the relationship and it's not working you know you you learn from the relationship and when you learn what doesn't work you use that uh, in the next relationship. It also gives you a better understanding of who you are, what doesn't work for you. It doesn't have to be a failure. I mean, it really can be a success if you make the right choice to get out of it. You know, one of the things, another cheating, and you do mention that as one of the uh, signs that the relationship might be over. If he cheats or you cheat, do you think that that's, you know, that's going to be it or can you get over that? It doesn't have to be it. It is a sign that it might be over. Um, you know, I know... I was just talking to a friend recently, and she said, you know, I just said to my boyfriend, after hearing about it, she had met a lot of men who were cheating on their wives, and she said, you know, I said to him, never cheat on me, break up with me first. You know, just tell me if you're gonna, before you cheat on me, because it would hurt so much. You know, there's, there's such a betrayal of trust in cheating, and there's, there's so much that... Um, there's so much that can be painful and destructive in it that if you find yourself tempted to or cheating on your boyfriend or husband or he's cheating on you, you find out that he's cheated on you, it doesn't it, it perhaps it's something that can be worked out, but it does it does really crack the foundation of a relationship and it's a, it's a huge red flag. Um, you know, it doesn't have to mean the end of the affair and there are no you know, I know that you're going to be talking about deal breakers later on there are certain things that are absolute deal breakers for some people this would be one for me but again you decide if the relationship can recover from it and that involves a good amount of communication yeah because i think melissa statistically and these aren't the exact statistics that 80 percent of or 70 percent of men during the lifetime of their relationship with their partner or their spouse cheat 
that's the reality. Now, whether or not the spouse actually finds out, that's something else. And maybe there's a difference between cheating, you know, is there a one-night stand or having a, a torrid affair with your best friend? You know, it's all cheating. and It's all it cheating all, no matter what. It all abrades the, the, the structure of the relationship. You know, there, it's like you can't be just a little bit pregnant. I think that with, with cheating, there's no... There, there's no gray area. I mean, you could say that, you know, having, a, I don't know, like an email flirtation with somebody isn't the same as being physically um, unfaithful, sure. But at the same time, you know, we just want to make sure that the that the relationship is strong enough to support the conversation that needs to occur if that if, if there is if there is that sort of fracture in it. And but cheating is not always about sex. I mean, you brought up a good point because sometimes it's more. You know, you talk about emailing back and forth, or there's a certain intimacy between a say your your spouse and another woman, and shares things that perhaps he doesn't share with you. That's cheating, you know, isn't it? I well, I would say it depends. Or is that on another show of, we have? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we. I, I don't get into the nitty-gritty of precisely what, what makes someone a cheater in the Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, but I do think that one thing that I talk about at length is the importance of having friends and a support system and an identity outside of the relationship so that you have people to talk to about things. Now, if you talk about the relationship with somebody else, with a friend, does that make it cheating? I don't think so. I, if you talk about how upset you are to somebody to whom you're, you know, sexually attracted to, then you're getting into, you know, some muddy waters. Yeah, then you're crossing into some other boundaries. We exactly. have to say goodbye. This is fascinating. I always enjoy talking to you, and I do want listeners to know uh, what website they can go to. to obviously, they can buy your book. Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything, but also a website that we can direct them to. Sure. Um, go to Melissa Kirsch, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-K-I-R-S-C-H.com, and you know I have a blog there. Uh, you can get a signed copy of the book. Um, there's lots of news on, about what's going on, and the same issues that we've been discussing today are being discussed by, you know, women of all generations on the website, which was my hope when writing this book, that it, the conversation would continue. Well, it's a great book, and you certainly accomplished what you set out to do. Great having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. Thanks so much for having me. Melissa Kirsch, author of The Girl's Guide to Absolutely Everything. Coming up next, Dr. Bethany Marshall. Deal breakers, when to work on a relationship and when to walk away. You're listening to Catherine Zox on VoiceAmerica.com Women. about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. If you are among the millions who are on the quest to find the fountain of youth, then this is the program for you. Dr. Norm Shealy brings to Internet Talk Radio, Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Dr. Shealy's mission is to help you have optimal health and longevity, and the purpose of Youthful Aging is to give you an opportunity to ask your own questions about anything related to health, and everything is related to health. Each week, Dr. Shealy will focus on a particular health topic and welcome 
welcomes your questions, which are the reason for the program. Tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain with Dr. Norm Shealy. And discover for yourself the secret of the fountain. Whether you're a weekend warrior, an elite athlete, or a want-to-get-fit-this-year kind of person, there's an athlete in all of us on Everyday Athlete with certified personal trainer Ann Parker. Get inspired to reach the next level of fitness. Ann and her guests, including former and current pro athletes, coaches, and a variety of medical professionals discuss the latest in training techniques for all athletes, from sports nutrition, physical therapy, balance, and agility training to injury prevention, functional training, yoga, Pilates, and team communication and covers it all whether you want to lose that holiday weight get ready for your wedding day train for the next walk run marathon or compete in the olympics everyday athlete provides the know-how to keep you eager excited and motivated with the latest and healthy training techniques everyday athlete with ann parker broadcast each tuesday at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern on the voice america health and wellness channel everyday athletes tapping into the everyday athlete in every we talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America at voiceamerica.com women. And joining me this morning is Dr. Bethany Marshall. She is a psychoanalyst. Uh, she is a, a therapist. She is uh, author of the book Deal Breakers, When to Work on a Relationship and When to Walk Away. And it's described. her book is described as a book about men, not all men, just emotionally unhealthy men, the ones who make you question, is it him or is it me, and how many of us have asked that question? Am I making too big a deal of these things? Uh, should I try and tell them how I feel? Am I overreacting? And as uh, Dr. Marshall describes, relationships are hard work, but how hard they should they be? And when do you know you're struggling too hard to make a relationship succeed? Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Doctor. How are you? Oh, thanks, Catherine. It's great to be with you. I'm good. Okay, deal breakers. <laughs> We've all been there, done that, not done it the right way. Great book. It's a, a wonderful how-to book yeah. about relationships. And uh, so we thank you for that. So when to work on a relationship and when to walk away. How do we know when to do that? Well, I think one of the major signs is when you're working harder than he's working to fix his life or improve the relationship. Like you try to have a conversation and he walks out of the room. You say, honey, I really want to feel more special. I want to, maybe we can start more of a sexual relationship. He goes, works out at the gym, comes to bed without uh, taking a shower and purposely makes you feel unimportant. So it's when you're making all the efforts and the efforts are not reciprocated. Or I think another universal deal breaker when you know it's time to walk away is when you're preoccupied with the future because the present is miserable. I mean, you know because you're a social worker, sometimes people can use the future to compensate for the present. So they'll say, well, as soon as he gives me a ring, I won't be unhappy anymore. Or as soon as he gets a job promotion, 
I won't see him as such a uh, underachiever. Or as soon as we go away for the weekend and we can have a conversation, he won't be so mean to me. As so soon we, as we can get a babysitter for the kids, as soon as we have more money, as soon as we get a right. second car, after we move or when right. mo- my mother-in-law leaves, always. <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <laughs> All right. So if you're doing that, there's something wrong. Yeah. Read the book or run to your nearest therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she has to sit down on the couch with you. But, right. Uh, yeah, but we do that. I think that's a very common thing, though, because, you know, the fear of giving up the relationship or saying goodbye, whether you've, you know, if it's long-term, whether you're married or not, it's pretty scary stuff. It is so frightening. And, Catherine, can I make a comment about cheating and your last guest and what yes, she you said? Yes, you It relates to what we're talking about one of the ideas in Deal Breakers is that all relationships are arrangements. They're deals. <clears throat> and the deal breaker is the thing that undermines the deal. So your relationship, it might be a sexual arrangement or an emotional arrangement, a financial arrangement, a marital arrangement, or it may have a combination of all those factors, but the deal breaker is the thing that undermines the deal or the arrangement. So if you're the kind of woman who's really social, you have a lot of friends, but your husband has pathological jealousy, so he needs to oversee your date book and approve your friendships, that would be the deal breaker. And with cheating, let's say um, your husband goes on a business trip, he has a one-night stand, and you find out about it. It depends on what your deal is and your arrangement is. It could be that you're not a sexually jealous person, but you need to have financial security in the relationship. So if he gambled away all of your money, that would be far worse than a one-night stand. So you're talking about, Dr. Marshall, what the contract is. It's it's really, isn't it? It's a contract. And it may be different for people have all different kinds of contracts is what you're saying. Yes, because haven't you had the experience where you have a girlfriend who's in a relationship and it would just be miserable for you, but somehow she thrives in that situation? Or her husband does something and you would find it really obnoxious. You know, he cracks corny jokes at a dinner party, but for some reason it doesn't matter to her. She thinks it's adorable because that doesn't go against her contract, to use your word. All right, so you then you have to negotiate, as you talk about in the book, too. Yes. Uh, and negotiate a contract that works for both of you. Yes. And yes. So, and the deal breaker for different, then the deal breaker is different for different relationships. Yes. And talk to us about this, though. What about the different kinds, and you describe them in the book, the different kinds of men. Five per, you, you, <laughs> you put men into five personality yes, types. I did. Yeah, I enough. did. I, I guilty as charged. Okay. Well, they're pretty simplistic, so it's okay. Actually, what I did was I took the five major personality disorders, I took all the theories, cognitive, behavioral, psychoanalytic, psychiatric disorders, and I, I boiled them down into five different types. So they're sort of, they sound fluffy, but they're pretty serious. And the idea is if you're in a difficult relationship with a difficult man, he will fall into one of five personality categories. And can I run through them really quickly? Go right ahead. Yeah, because it's fascinating. The first one is the script writer. This is the guy who feels that he knows you better than you know yourself. He casts you into a role or forms assumptions about you. So let's say if you smile at the waiter, you know, at dinner, he'll say, well, I know you were flirting with him. And if you say, well, no, I wasn't, he'll say, yes, you were, I know. So he knows you better than you know yourself. That's the script writer. The man in charge, this guy feels he can't trust what he can't control. So unless he's checking up on you, he can't trust you. So let's say if you have a business meeting, he might um, help you do a PowerPoint presentation, Google a map to where you're going, ask you afterwards, you know, did you say what, what I said you should say? And then if you say, well, it really wasn't organic to the process, he'll say, well, then why did you ask for my help? So that's the man in charge. Then there's the invisible man. 
this is the guy who's really overwhelmed by the demands of being in an interpersonal relationship. So he might spend all day exercising, working out on the computer, hiking the Himalayas, because a computer's not going to control him. No one at the gym is going to nag him. So he shuts down in the context of interpersonal relationships. Then there's the man without fault. This is the narcissist, basically. His primary feature is self-aggrandizement and devaluation of you. My ex-husband. Okay. <laughs> so you know that guy. perfectly honest. So do you want to describe him? Because you know. I mean, he, he feels his life is precious, and he has the one right, right. He's the holder of what's right in the world. And with this guy, you may spend Saturday running his errands. You may put him through medical school. You may go to his church or synagogue. And, and when you say, well, can we go shopping? He'll say, shopping? What are you, like a retail, whatever? You know, he, he'll put down your interests. Uh, this type of man, I have to say, exhausts you, too. And at the end of the day, you are exhausted having been on his merry-go-round. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because you spend a lot of time building up equity in his life, but you have very little equity in your own. So this is the kind of guy you say, you know, if we ever divorce or, or we're ever separated, he's going to have his life is going to be great, and I'm going to be left really empty and hollow. And so be beware of 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 the uh, of that ma- oh, now that there's one there's another one the little right? boy who poses as a man yeah okay this is the bad boy he's very cute like little boys uh, he's very charming but as is though he looks grown up on the surface but as is the way with little boys little boy does all the taking while mommy does all the giving okay little boys are not supposed to achieve they're not supposed to bring home a paycheck so this is the guy who may not ask for a job promotion he may not achieve appropriately. He may not ask you for, for your hand in marriage because little boys don't marry their mommies. Okay. Is this guy the Peter Pan, the classic yes, Peter Pan? totally. Yeah. yeah. This so is he's Peter making Pan. it very appealing, very charming. Oh, and yes. Especially, don't you think, Dr. Marshall, women who tend to, and then they have to take a look at themselves, who feel like, well, I, they like being in charge, or they think they like being in charge all the time until it also becomes too wearing, too exhausting, yeah. too enervating. It's so interesting you say that because at the end of each chapter I have a section for women. It says it's called Who Chooses This Man? And for the little boy who who poses as a man, the woman who chooses this guy usually was raised by parents where she had to parent her own parents. She likes being in charge. She wants to nurture the guy. It makes her feel important when she rescues him and his life is falling apart. But pretty soon she she realizes she's working harder than he's working to rescue him, and he's not he's not pulling his own weight in the relationship. Yeah, and also probably as you say, if she's used to taking charge with her own parents, afraid of letting go that things won't go right, that things, you know, that somebody afraid of just giving up that control because feeling that nobody else can do it or accomplish it. Oh, totally. And you know what's even worse? That what these women tend to think: What if I worked? so hard to make his life better and what if we break up and then he finds another woman and he becomes the man I wanted him to be I think we're all afraid of that we're going to end on that one that's a great great line I love it and I also love your book and want uh, everyone to know you can purchase the book online amazon.com bookstores everywhere and go to what website where do we go bethanymarshall.com b-e-t-h-a-n-y m-a-r-s-h-a-l-l and you can click through to Amazon you can read some excerpts from the book and uh, take a little peruse through it yeah it's a great book it's a practical book you you really it's it's a very practical book it's a must read Dr. Bethany Marshall thanks so much for being on the show this morning thanks Catherine the girl yes 
when to work on a relationship. Deal, deal breakers. breakers. When to work on a relationship and when to walk away. You've been listening to The Catherine Zock Show on Voice America, voiceamerica.com, women. Have a great day, and I'll see you next Thursday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zock Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.